Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is Muller She Wrote co-host Jaleesa Johnson. Forensic News thanks our Patreons Andre Dunka, Angela Jackson, Zacharias Zscore Kaminsky, Sasha Millstone, Craig Pierce, Jim Rice, and Greg Schneider. Support Forensic News and Counterintelligence on Patreon. Without further ado, here's the show. Jaleesa Johnson, welcome to Counterintelligence. Hey, thanks for having me. Jaleesa, this has been a long time coming. It is so great to have you here. How, how are you? I'm good, yeah. We've definitely been meaning to collaborate for <laughs> quite a while, since Mueller, you know, was born. No. Yeah, um, yeah, since... We go way back. Yeah, and Mueller, going back to the 50s. Um, <laughs> definitely. I think at least since I first uh, met you, the Mueller She Wrote team at Politicon, we met in person. Uh, yeah, it's fun time. Yeah, that was that was a good time, actually. Um, mm-hmm. That was, it's, it's, until you've been to Politicon, you don't really know like what it's gonna it's one of those things you have it's like the matrix you have to see it in person exactly yeah you got to take the red pill yeah yeah i was thinking um oh i shouldn't say red pill now because that means a whole different thing but (laughs) uh there is a matrix four coming out so it's kind of relevant but um i was gonna say are you going to politicon this year in nashville yeah that's a great question i need to talk to the uh team at forensic news and i i i have an open invitation to politicon just because we've the Mueller Time podcast went there so many times that we, they they sort of know us and and so anyway, I'd really like to go, yeah. but it is in Nashville. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I hear Nashville can be nice if you go to the right places. They have great barbecue. You know, they have white barbecue sauce, which is really interesting. You know, yeah, that delicious. Would be, we'll we'll see. Uh, that would be great. Um, and of course, Julie says so. Of course, you're the host of the uh, the co-host of the hit podcast, Mueller. She wrote, and now also the Daily Beans and and the Racial Matter Show. <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, do, the trifecta. How 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 does one? Let me ask you first, Julie. how does one do three podcasts and at once? Uh, I guess it just kind of happens. Yeah, it definitely wasn't planned. So I feel like it's when you have like triplets, it's just like, oh, cool, just, <laughs> they're just here. But uh, yeah, definitely started with Mueller. She wrote being weekly. And then, um, actually, still weekly, but you know, doing occasional sure. middle of the week pods. Yeah, the Daily Beans, daily, obviously. And then the Racial Metal Show was kind of my like spare time around those two pods. And now I'm in a groove where they're all kind of, you know, semi weekly. So that's nice. That There's is, always content. That's amazing. Yeah. How many Thank podcasts you. do you think you could handle? Like, like 15? Ooh. Well, you know, <laughs> Kevin Smith has about six, and he's like one of my favorite people mm. he says that podcasting is just like his favorite thing ever and i just think it's cool because like he he juggles all those podcasts and he juggles making movies and just being awesome so i feel like i'll do as many as i think i want to because i have all these side project ideas too so even like mini series might come and go but mm. yeah podcasting is such a broad medium that i just yeah i'm open to whatever it really is. I know that I, I can say, I mean, and by the way, I just want to say it's great to talk to like a like a fellow comedian and not have to also just not have to worry about something, a joke not, kind of hanging in the air. Like, I love everyone we've interviewed, but not, you know, how it is not everybody is like gets it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's what I love about comedians, too. We're always like it, it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse, because in this case, it works out great because you're a great guy. But sometimes thank you. when I'm in a room full of comedians, of course, I'm like competing for the punchline. We're constantly like, you know, but it just depends on the, the type of comedian. But generally speaking, yeah, we're always looking for for that laugh. Yeah, I was always the opposite. Like I, uh, you know, I generally like when comedians would go out after the show, I was always like, you know, let's go 
you know, let's go hang out. Let's go to a bar, but not like I never wanted to just go sit in a diner and continue telling jokes. I was like, no, let's be people. Let's be real people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love too about podcasting, especially when you're not necessarily in a comedy category, but you are a comedian. You feel like you can be more real and, you know, have that long form dialogue and not necessarily chase the punchline, but just kind of let it come naturally. So, you know, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to get into the news and really, I guess, uh, really not pull any punches. I mean, we look, the president of the United States is a open white nationalist. It's, it's a shocking thing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. I mean, I know you've talked about that of plenty. Um, what <laughs> I, yeah, it's, 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 it's still unbelievable. What I wanted to ask you was, uh, how do you see the next two years in this country uh, till the election playing out, Julissa? Well, um, funny enough, I've been trying to figure out like what historical events might align with what we're experiencing now because like I've never been really much of a history buff, but I always find that there's something that's happened before that is a nice lesson, you know, or guideline for how to maybe prevent it from happening again. <laughs> and I feel like right now we're like in a pre it's really sad to say, but a pre-Civil War kind of feeling. I don't know. It's like the super volcano. Like, I don't know how much time we have. It might be decades. It might, you know, be a few years. But I feel like people are just so angry and so polarized, and it's being exploited from so many different angles. Like, that's kind of what the Civil War was about, according to all the podcasts I listened to. But it seems like, yeah, people were mad because they were like, oh, you're trying to take my slaves. And so they had all these different compromises. And then in the end, it just didn't work because people, you know, felt like what slavery was just, you know, too awful to continue Mm. by any compromise. And so they shed blood for it. And right now I feel like the the thing that's kind of aligning with this is guns. Mm. Because guns and the need for, like, the Second Amendment above all, it's heavily tied to xenophobia and just white nationalism. Not that I want it to be that way, but sure. that's what it seems to be, you know, masked by. A lot of people think, I mean, it's, it's clearly true that the civil war and the, the, what led to that and the tensions have really just never ended. It's just kind of continued. And we can see that. Uh, totally. We can see that in the Trump supporters and, and on the other side, people like us who uh, do not, are not down with this to, to be, <laughs> to, to give the understatement yeah. of the year. Um, <laughs> totally, to say the least, yeah. It's almost like back to the future. Like, it's like, you can see the Trump supporter now that's like clearly like their grandfather who was, you know, mm. fighting for the, you know, on the, uh, against the union. It's, it's weird. Yeah. We need a, a realistic back to the future. <laughs> not that they weren't super realistic, but just like a more like historically accurate or like a racially accurate, like, just i don't know like someone yeah. go back to the future and it's like you know they go too far back and it's like fuck slavery or something oh can i say fuck on here i'm sorry I no you say that. oh yeah yeah no, yeah you know you're okay, you know more cool, than anyone cool. right um there no, this, we go yay no, this is a pbs podcast actually so, there we go that's <laughs> you know it's amazing yeah. you think about the things that have been ruined uh so many things are never gonna like never gonna be the same but back to the future is one of them because as as i'm sure you already know like trump was the the inspiration for for biff Oh, you um, know what? I always saw the similarities, but I didn't know. I never did my research. Uh, so he was the inspiration. He 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 was. No, he. Uh, they did an interview with one of the, uh, not Robert Zemeckis, but the other writer, and he was like, "Yeah, that's." But we never thought that this would happen. Um, yeah, that's crazy. It, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. You know what? This is a good. It's a good lesson because I always tell myself that when I think things aren't possible, I look to the movies that we've created, especially <laughs> in the sci-fi 
area. And I'm like, well, if humans, it's kind of like the rule about porn, you know, like if you think it, therefore it's like possible or like, I don't know, I think therefore I am like, basically, <laughs> I feel like most Wait. things that you can think it. <laughs> I never heard it's that one. Totally different ideas, yeah. That's, oh, there's a rule for for porn, like it's like rule forty two or something. It's some mm. number. It's like if you think of a porn category mm. as crazy as it may be, then therefore it exists. Like just by you thinking it, <laughs> there's oh, okay. a good chance that it exists. Yeah, but you know these things are obviously like very theoretical. <laughs> the idea, I think, is that if movies can have something like, oh, this will never happen, but mm. at the same time, it's really just you know, in this case, capitalism gone terribly wrong, then it is very likely to happen. It's just a matter of time. Like these sci-fi movies about aliens. I'm like, man, that's crazy. But in reality, I don't know. <laughs> Have we stormed Area 51 yet? Do we know? <laughs> I just think, yeah, so many things, of course, are not possible in movies, but so many things also seem like they could be. So I just wonder, like, whenever I think, oh, this is impossible, I try to, like, question myself. I know it's going to be an interesting, interesting is not the right word, but the next two years are going to be um, uh, something. They're going to be something for the history books. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I don't think it'll be a full on war. Like maybe it'll be similar to like, you know, a slow build. Like, I just feel like there's something happening now where people are starting to die a lot more frequently. And I mean, I know that I learned recently that the civil war isn't like the, the biggest bloodshed battle on American soil, you know, because if you count the Native Americans, then you're talking millions, but there were still 750,000 Americans that died from this. Not, And that's, I think, just the soldiers. Like, then you have the civilians and, you know, just random casualties. It's crazy how many people died over this, but I don't think it happens all at once either. It's just over time. Absolutely. Um, on, on your new show, the the Racial Matter Show, I know you covered the Eric Garner case, and I I've been following that very closely. It's it's. I, I was wondering if I could just really get your thoughts on uh, where we are in that case, and just anything on your mind in that case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it shows like. Okay, so I was talking about this on the Daily Beans too. Better mm-hmm. late than never, I say, when it comes to. I, I, admitting the truth, right? Mm-hmm. That he he did something wrong, but mm-hmm. I also feel like that quote. Um, justice delayed is justice denied is also mm. true. So it's like, yeah, I'm glad that they admitted it, but it's also too late. It's both. Right. And it was too late when, you know, he killed them. Like there were plenty of opportunities. Even the, the commissioner said where he could have, you know, potentially could have let Eric go. You know, he like made his point. They got him on the ground. So right. it just shows that like the worth or the value of, I think a black person in America is like, you know, <laughs> it just shows how long it took for them to even admit that it was wrong. It's it's just so it's one of these things too. Every American should be so outraged because it's just yeah. I mean, what what can you say? Um, you you can be you can be executed for selling s- loose cigarettes like that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, especially considering like all the things that we see people in these white collar crimes getting away with and and the damages that they're doing on on you know the humanitarian crisis we're having now at the border like the idea of our government detaining people potentially indefinitely and saying that it's because they're the savages you know it's like this is crazy shit that people like the wrong people are being detained right now you know like yeah 
So yep. it just it blows my mind that they're able to get away with that. And meanwhile, at the same in the same timeline, you have someone like Eric Garner and and countless other people who are killed and jailed for so much less. It's a race war, I think, in so many different ways, and it was designed that way. And I think you have moments where it's like it's better than others, but right now it's definitely in that worst moment and seems to be getting even more worse. And I just wonder what's what's it going to take for it to you know, end. It's almost like climate change and global warming. Right. It's like unless you pump the brakes, you know, in all these different areas where people are, are systematically oppressed, you're, you're still going to have problems, you know. So I don't know. We'll see. But, I, yeah, I think voting blue. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. Across the board. That's, I look, I, I always like, I've got friends who are cops. I, I, as opposed to some of my other friends who are way more left wing than I am, I always thought it was a, an interesting job. And I, I, what I'm trying to say is like, I'm, I'm not a person who approaches this from any kind of even anti-police perspective, but I, this is, this is that this cannot happen. You can't, you yeah. can't be killed on a street corner in broad daylight for a, a mis not even whatever it's a that's not even a misdemeanor i don't know what that is um yeah i i literally wouldn't even know like what because he oh my god like yeah the person you're talking about and, and there's so many of them too it's like when you mentioned the, the traffic stop incidents there's countless uh, of those events too and i feel like maybe these are the ways that these these cops as you may call them maybe bad apples i i can agree that not every cop is racist you sure. know just like i would say not not every republican is racist but the bad apples do enough damage that the ones that are not racist are probably not doing enough to to stop it like you most people don't want to start a revolution you know right. <laughs> that's how you end up with things progressing you know for for worse it's not that most of humanity is evil it's just that most of them are probably a little too i don't want to say cowardly because that's implying that I mean, it is negative, but it's uh -huh. rude to say cowardly. It's just, you know, sure. looking the other way, it's too easy. And most people do it because it's so easy. And it's lazy, you know? Yeah. And it's... <sighs> they have, there's that quote about, like, there's two kinds of evil people. I don't know if it makes you evil, but the, effect, the effects of you looking away are evil. So in that case, sure, you're indirectly evil. I don't know how that would make someone feel if it's enough to change their mind, but <laughs> just it does make a difference. Yeah, well, looking away is yeah. There's there's a lot of quotes about that. I mean, obviously, the most famous one from the you know the Holocaust. I didn't speak up, and then there was no one left to speak up for me. Uh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that we're seeing so many similarities with the Holocaust now, and just like the idea of the the Jewish community being intact, and and in ways that I grew up reading history books, never thinking this would be something in my lifetime. I was like, whoa, Hitler was cray, you know, like, thank God I'm in America, you know, like all these things as a kid that I thought, you know, oh, Obama's being, becoming our president, like racism's over. I, I honestly thought things like that, you know, because I was just a teenager growing up and, and, you know, we had our moments of this, I guess it, it wasn't, racism definitely ha is, is louder now than it was before. And I feel like it's only going to get louder. I don't think it's just going to suddenly stop unless we stop it. So that's why I feel like things might get more violent because they already are, are violent. Just they're one-sided, you know, with the violence right now. So we're mostly one-sided. Yeah, I mean, it's look, scary. it is scary. I'm Jewish. I, I, when I, when I saw this happening, uh, uh, just this stuff in the last couple of days, I, I just look at that as a direct, um, no, I look at what he said is no different than if I was in the street and this has also happened and somebody attempted to confront me about being like, I don't, there's no difference to me. Um, 
Right, and, right. That's that's the way it should be. Right. Everyone should look at it that way, but we we don't collectively. Yeah, that that's a problem. A lot of people don't, and um, you know, like I, I, everybody should look at it like you're going to do what you're going to do to uh, protect yourself. But we're certainly not going to we're not going to go backwards in history. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I really want to ask you as well about the 2020 race, uh, which is heating up. I don't know where do you. Do you have any thoughts on where we are now in this uh, this primary and just in general about mm-hmm. 2020? Yeah, yeah. I was just joking on, um, I think, Melissa wrote about how all of the candidates now should just become the cabinet and we should start locking <laughs> this down. And and AG was saying that that usually happens, or I guess it has happened in, in some cases, but I don't know why they don't just go for it now, you know, and then figure out who's going to also run for Senate. You know, I see that... Uh, Hickenlooper? Is that, yeah. is that his name? I love it. He's adorable. That can't be a real name. Yeah. That's got to be, yeah, a nickname that just stuck with him. And he's like, I accept it. Yeah. It's adorable, though. And <laughs> so he's running for Senate. That's a great idea. Figure out. I don't see why we have to just like fight. You know, at this point, I think the nation is so like at risk that they should be like, yo, let's just like all rally behind Warren or something. Like, does, does anyone really have a problem with Warren that's still running? I guess some of the more moderate uh, Democrats, but like for the most part, come on, it's, it's pretty, yeah. Biden needs to stop. Biden <laughs> needs to just quit. I like them all for the reasons, you know, like generally speaking, justice, democracy, they all seem to represent that. But in, in terms of this bickering to see who's going to have the ultimate authority, right. I, I feel like that's going to kill us. Like it's going to give Trump ammunition. We should just wrap it up now. We don't need another six months of this and just, Figure out who's going to have what job now. I don't know. I wish I wish that were possible. It's not. But my favorite picks, obviously, Warren. I like Kamala. I think mm. she'd be great as an AG, though, because um, her polling is slipping. And like I said, the fight at this point, it shouldn't be about ego. It shouldn't be about politics. But of course, it's going to be because that's just what it is. But I think Trump has just made this so toxic. And Putin is also making this so toxic that it, it's just at a point where we need to kind of change the rules a little bit play the game differently don't play along with what they're totally expecting it's like we're playing chess and they know all of our moves like it's already they're already planning to knock over the whole chess board so like why are we even bothering we should just like do something different and just say okay this is a united front and yeah. we're doing it and we're gonna win and as a completely almost a unrelated segue how after the last two days <laughs> how, how is trump still in office like how um how is we play it too safe yeah Yep. Yeah, people are scared. It's also about looking the other way because Trump yep. attacks so many different communities. He's like hitting them all, like some more than others, obviously. But for yep. the most part, so many voters feel like they're almost unaffected. They're like, yeah, he's crazy and it bugs me, but I can turn off my TV and feel unaffected. But now that the stock market is, you know, getting shaky and all these things, like I feel like he's trying to appease a lot more people. But I mean, it's not going to work. I think in the end, there's enough people who are terrified that something's going to give. I'm just worried that Putin's also prepared for that. Like they're going to come back even stronger with, you know, their disinformation campaigns and the election hacking. Like, I mean, I feel like they're, they're already 10 steps ahead of us. So it's just, it's crazy. That's why he's still in office because it's pure chaos and no one's prepared for this. Like we almost have to start thinking chaotically ourselves, like just to, Mm-hmm. strike back you know like we gotta fight fire with fire and not everybody's willing to do that and i don't just mean violence i really don't mm-hmm. <laughs> don't violence but just, i mean like fighting them like 
strategically, but also like re- really addressing things for what they are, not dancing around like what racism is and what nationalism is and all these things, like just calling it what it is, like really drawing the line and stop attacking people that are drawing a line like AOC. They're like, oh, she's she's too this, she's too that. It's like right. she's exactly where we need to be because that's how far the right has pushed us. She's moderate, in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> as far as de- decency goes. So that's enough for me. But so many people are afraid of, you know, even I think decent, nice, liberal white people, some of them are just like, they feel less affected. They feel pissed off. But I feel like there are people who are more pissed off and like we need everyone to probably be as pissed as them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just look, it, you take them down like a comedian, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what this whole thing is from the beginning. And we've I'm sure we've both said that. And now other people, there's even a comedian who's running for president, uh, who's actively, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, uh, Ben Glebe. And so, but it's true. Like, whoever is facing this guy on the stage, uh, that's how they need to, look, they need, they need to hire a comedian, uh, possibly one of us, uh, somebody on the campaign oh, to yeah. tell them, this is what's up. Um, yeah, because they're out of touch, like across the board, the Republicans and Democrats. And I think not just comedians, but just people who are, um, I guess, just like AOC, like in the sense, or even Bernie, because Bernie, uh, Bernie's a millionaire, but the dude is in touch. Yeah. Whatever he's smoking, people need to get on that, you know? <laughs> like, I feel like if they don't have the right people in their circle, if they have too many yes men that are just like representing the 1% or their own interests, they need more open-minded people. Like there are tons of people who are not in positions of power. That would be a great contribution to like the perspective of these people, like these politicians, like yeah, joke writers included, you know, like it's just, I don't know how we could start that movement, but (laughs) we should try to like incorporate more regular folk, not just the traditional activist way, like, you know, volunteering at your national or your local headquarters. Like, I think we should actually figure out a way to start utilizing artists Mm -hmm. with politicians, like getting them to collab more. I don't know. I just, I like what you're, what you're getting at. Mm -hmm. I just can't quite put my finger on it, but we do need to have this coalition of like, Hey, I'm working with this politician to, you know, just, Get them more in tune with the people. It's it's got to be more organized than what it is. You, you know, in baseball, they have like a designated hitter. Like if they, I'm telling you what, they want to win this. Put me in for the Trump debate. I'll I'll demolish this guy in three seconds, <laughs> and then the, and then the real candidate, oh, yeah. come, you know, or yourself, or like a wrestling match when you yeah. tag team someone in. Like yeah. let Warren tag me in for a couple of <laughs> oh, like rounds of Trump. I I'll just have all that. my roast jokes ready. Yeah, he won't even see it coming. Like let's just mix it up. Let's get crazy. Yeah, we'll tag in Jordan. Why are we then. doing the yeah? yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You were saying. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I, I get the idea of traditional, you know, like, values and, and having a foundation of moral ground. I'm not saying that we should become morally obscene. And, and I'm sure that's subjective enough for people to have different ideas. But uh-huh. generally speaking, like, Trump is morally obscene, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying we'd be like him. I'm just saying we just be crazy. You know how, like, comedians, we do things that are breaking the rules but my favorite comedians they do it for the right reasons they do it without the idea of hurting anyone that doesn't deserve it you know like they don't want to necessarily be like a a mean you know insult comedian but a good roast comedian someone who can like tear down a a politician or just like a dictator or someone in like a position of power and actually make 
effective change, like the John Olivers and Stewart's mm. and, you know, Sandby's, like those people, I think, are very, very powerful, probably more powerful than the politicians in a lot of ways. And if more people were paying attention to them or like, I don't know, we got them to work more with the politicians. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm suggesting, but no. <laughs> I'm really, really interested in just seeing a change in in reality, like getting everyone on the same wavelength a little more like you know just the country needs to be synced up i think like like a nice rave you know and everybody's on the same fucking trip just nice. <laughs> we need that I, yeah we're, we're just way too polarized well you're actually you're right it is going to be a roast and that's why i'm like i i love that like for example elizabeth warren i love that she's got like like this the tagline goes she has a plan for everything that's fantastic mm-hmm. but but also this is america it's Look, I'm just going to – I got to call it straight here. Like people really aren't reading those plans right now. They want to see who's going to roast this guy into history, yes. into the dust yes. of history, right? Oh, my God. Her VP should just be a comedian. She's like, or she should hire like a roast battle comedian. I nominate Keith Carey or Conor McSpadden. They're great local <laughs> roast battle comedians. They're, they're great. They write like a lot of stuff. But I do think that right. it would be it would be so smart if she got someone on her team that could be like, Look, I know you got these plans, but here's some punchlines to prepare for. Don't just try to hit him with facts. I mean, you can have factual jokes, but sure. if you don't come swinging with them, because he's going to say things that he's expecting applause right. breaks, he's expecting laughter, groans. He's just like, I, I respect comedians that usually go for the emotional roller coaster experience, but he's our president, so it's terrifying, but it works in entertainment, like generally speaking. So if she doesn't come with that, she's just going to be another Hillary, unfortunately, the qualified woman who is boring to people and unlikable because she can't make them laugh. It's and it's going to be a tough spot, whoever's in there. But I, I, I like not everybody is maybe has the gift of of comedy, but every every one of them needs to understand how to respond live on stage to a person who has no sense of human decency. Yeah, just clap back. Usually, clap backs are funny, even if they're not punchlines. You're right. funny in nature. So if they just have like clapbacks ready to go, like hire a clapback queen <laughs> and just know everything that Trump's going to say. Pocahontas, have a clapback for that, you know, like all kinds of things. Like yeah. when he says nasty woman, have a clapback for that. Just We can totally play his own game and just study him and be like, I know everything you're going to do. You're so predictable. I just got to match it you know with they, decency. You're right. You know what they were saying is uh, somebody – somebody who I forget who it was, but they wrote an article that said that you really want to hit this guy on stage. Tell him that he's, he was nothing without his father. Cause that's, that's what's going to hurt. And yeah. Yeah. Really. Oh my God. Ooh, yeah. We need to like emotionally tear Trump down. Yeah. We need him to not want to get out of his green room, you know, like, cause he's so used to owning the stage because yeah. Democrats are not traditionally funny unless they're on like comedy central or SNL or whatever. The idea is that Democrats are adults. And at least the current, because the Republicans, they used to be more adult-like. Reagan Republicans, I think, were very mature. But the idea is that now the GOP is just like pure chaos, right? So I feel like Democrats need to stop trying to be the, stop trying to just be the adult in the room and be the adult that is like just aware, like read the room, like be a performer and and a genuine Mm -hmm. performer, but don't, don't just try to stand by your plan. It's not enough. It's great. It's the bare minimum that we expect as a politician, but we need more because Trump has like raised the bar to a crazy level where the whole country's attention span is just waiting for the next soundbite. So give him a soundbite, but make it a good one. Like if you're smart enough and you're clever enough and your writing team is good enough, you can make soundbites 
that are also educational and factual. Exactly. Julissa, uh, turning to podcasting, uh, Muller She Wrote is uh, obviously uh, incredibly successful, and now also The Daily Beans and The Racial Maddow Show. What I want to ask you is, uh, as you and I both know, podcasting is a field that's it's incredibly hard to get any traction or uh, what, how have you, how have you guys done it? Uh, yeah, I've been trying to think about this too, because I, I love the idea of like, um, podcasting being this like open source thing that anybody can do, but, but it is really strange how, how only cer- a certain amount kind of rises. And I feel like there are common themes I've noticed about them. Like, mm-hmm. I really think any, anyone can do it. It's just a matter of like hitting all those boxes. So it's, I think having a really, uh, I wrote them down too. I'm wondering if I should read the actual list, but basically it's like having a catchy uh, title seems mm. to be helpful. You don't, you don't need a catchy title because like literally like fallout boy, you can just make anything your name <laughs> and then just become a really, I think great band. But I nice. feel like also, you know, a title brings people in. I can't count how many people have said, I just clicked on your pod because of your title. So it mm. helps. But also the same thing worked with the theme song. People associate like the theme song with uh, a TV show intro. You know how we all sing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like everyone and their mom could sing it? Some people legitimately associate podcast theme songs with that same sense of nostalgia, or not nostalgia, just like familiarity. And it, it seems to be a powerful connection for them, that consistency of like, it's time for this show. You know, like I've noticed that's a, a thing that podcasting has going for them. And then also... Having someone that's like really crazy focused on on treating it like a job. Because mm. I think with Muller, she wrote, me and Jordan were just like, yeah, we'll do a pod. You know, we're creative people. We like talking. But, mm. but then you have an AG mm. who's like, okay, this is about to be a real thing. Like, And you got to have at least one person who takes it that seriously. Because maybe the other people being loose can mm. be useful too. But like... you. You got to see like just like any other thing. You got to see it like a like a real show. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as consistency with the racial model show, I'm a little like when I get around to it, but I'm starting to get more consistent, and I see sure. the difference in numbers. And more Schrute had that going from the start. Ag was like, we got to be on time. Like she like whipped us all into mm-hmm. shape. So <laughs> I really I really credit like her for that. And then I learned to do it for myself. So yeah, having your own you know, leader, like, like I, I put in my notes, have your own AG, mm-hmm. but I don't know if everybody would, <laughs> would understand general. that. You can be your own. Yeah. You can be your own AG. Yeah. Be your own attorney general. There be your you own go. bar. Be your own attorney general bar. Totally. Totally. And then, um, I think one of the other things is like being willing to suck at it because even though <laughs> you're like, I'm going in and I know it's going to be great someday, you truly believe it. You still have to be willing to, to not be great from the start. Because it takes a long time for people to come around to you if you're like not a household name, which is great because then you can experiment that time. But also it takes a long time for you to even figure out what your podcast is really going to sound like. It's like making music or anything else. Like it's not until you do the thing that you realize how you want it done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being okay with like, I say sucking, but it's really just experimenting, not getting immediate downloads, you know, but some people do get immediate downloads either way. The beginning is by default, I think, your suckiest part. Just It's just going to be, and that's totally fine. Um, but being willing to deal with that is really important because some people quit when they're like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, it's supposed to suck your first few episodes. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. everyone sucks in the beginning. If you don't do it, you're never going to get better. So there's that. Yeah. And I think that was 
pretty much it. Maybe the last thing was just like being passionate. But of course, these things are all pretty obvious. Just the idea of like being so passionate that you're you're willing to learn about it and like listen to constructive criticism because this can go over any topic. I think like podcasting can literally be for anything. Oh, one of the other things is like being a niche. So fusing together two things, whether it's comedy and politics or music and I don't know beer. I don't know. Just like <laughs> the idea of, of fusing together two communities that are really interesting to you and you're so passionate about it. You're like, I don't know. It seems like the niche market is not only more lucrative for ad revenue, but just in terms of like people feeling like they're really and in kind of exclusive, but also like just very custom catered to them community. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I mean, all of it. And especially. Yeah. The, yeah the, I spent a lot of time thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, did you prepare that? Because I didn't tell you no, what I was no, going to ask just, you. When I'm bored, I just I literally was like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. I'm like, what are some patterns? Yeah. The consistency is huge. I know that's that's the one thing I uh, realized from the beginning. I was like, oh, I have to. This has to come out at pretty much the same time every week, and whether it's good or not. And I don't know if you, maybe you can tell me if it's helped you in other aspects of your life, but it's definitely helped me be consistent in a lot of things. Oh yeah. Definitely. And that's why, even though I struggle with it, like I used to beat myself up for not immediately becoming a disciplined person the way that Mm -hmm. I like saw other people in my life being, Mm -hmm. but I I just had to be patient. So like I kind of sucked at being consistent, but I kept trying anyways. And eventually I got more consistent and I'm still trying to be more consistent. But the idea is that, yeah, once I started to make that change, I saw an immediate change in my download numbers and people's interest and engagement, like they want your show to be a show. They don't want to just see you pop up once and never again. Like if people like what you're doing, they expect it right. and they count on it. So even if you're not exactly consistent in the beginning, the sooner I think you get it down. Cause even Moshiro wasn't 100% consistent. AG was just like really adamant about mm-hmm. it, but it, it took me some time to adjust. But right. in reality, you know, it's worth it. It's worth that adjustment. The sooner you can make it, the better. Of course, I've been podcasting essentially alone for the past year, so maybe. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah, that's how I do the racial Auto show. It's it's also fun. It's liberating, yeah. but I think yeah, crossing over and doing yeah. more collaborations is something I plan to do too. Yeah, no, it's been there's a great uh, there's a great book in this this whole thing, and I, I'd like to write one just about from the beginning when we were doing uh, Muller time. Just not 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 even about the show, just about like the experience of of doing a weekly podcast. There's, there's just a lot goes on, as you know, that it makes for good, good material. Totally. Um, it's, it's, uh, probably good comedy. I want to oh, ask, yeah, definitely. you know, being that, uh, you know, Mueller, she wrote, uh, is the most successful podcast about Mueller. I really haven't uh, talked to you since the report came out. And I've really just always wanted to ask you, I mean, what did you think about the Mueller report? Oh yeah, it was um it was probably in my opinion like what that Jaworski report was like or mm-hmm. like you know when when things came out that, during the Watergate scandal that were really big deals but in real time it seems like people still defended Nixon pretty hard like when I look at the archival footage and everything I'm like oh this major thing dropped but people were still supporting this man and he still got reelected so maybe we're just in that time where the Mueller report itself, even though it's it's really well done. I mean, we, we're still going through it ourselves mm-hmm. and like finding intel and, and I'm learning new things all the time. I still commend Mueller for it, but mm-hmm. the public is not going to see it as like a bombshell. It's just 
another piece of evidence that later down the road people will look back and be like, oh shit, you know, it's all in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your again as as you know, Mueller Mueller she wrote uh, being the number one podcast on this. I'm just curious what What are your thoughts also on the legacy of Mueller, which is I think people um, there's been a lot of different opinions about this report and 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 the just everything. I mean, what do you what do you think about the man yourself? Uh, I love Mueller. Yeah, yeah, I've never had a problem with him. He was love at first sight. Um, I think he's just such a great person, like human. Because I've had to study like his life, and it's hard to find like a shit stain, even though most people usually had one. You know, either he's really good at burying bodies, or he's just a decent person. So I feel like he's kind of the anti-Trump. They grew up at the same time, similar circumstances in terms of having, you know, wealth and being put in boarding schools and all these things. But when it came to the uh, the Vietnam War, that's when they took their big, you know, biggest shifts. And they also had like similar tragic events in their lives. So, you know, Trump obviously dodged the war and then his brother died, which made him like kind of a cold person. He said that it taught him to never be a sucker because his brother died kind of poor strangely enough. And then Mueller, he went to war because he had a friend that was a year older than him that went ahead. And so he followed his footsteps and then his friend died in the war. And so Mueller, you know, like ended up being even more committed. So he ended up winning, I think it was a purple heart Mm -hmm. and, or being awarded a purple heart. And I think that's just like a big turning point for them. And, And so you have someone like Mueller who spent his whole life going the straight and narrow because death to him made him more, more patriotic, whereas you have Trump, who has kind of always been crooked, but became especially crooked when he lost his brother because he just thought that his brother went out in a bad way. It's like just the weird psychological shift for them, you know? Like, just they process death very differently. I agree. I, Look, I, I love Mueller, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think he's, I think he's an American hero. And, and while I do wish that I, – I wish they had – for reasons I maybe still don't understand, they kind of stopped right at the inner circle. Um, I feel like we didn't get that whole oh, story. Totally. I maybe. blame Barr. You do? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It seems like there was actually an article that came out. I forgot the source. So, so it, at this point it counts for nothing, but <laughs> I, I, w- I remember reading that, uh, that a couple of different investigations were shut down. So people speculate that the Mueller report itself was one of them. So I, I really wish I remembered exactly which uh, investigation it was. But yeah, when Barr came in, he basically had the authority to like to pump the brinks on, on a couple yeah. things, and it seems like he did. Yeah, I just got to get back to you with this. No, <laughs> no, no. You're right. I mean, it's he came in, and it was not even a month later that I – well, I don't have that timeline in front of me, but it seemed like all of a sudden we were starting to hear, hey, this thing's like wrapping up. Like, wait, what? We just mm-hmm. – Yeah, yeah, definitely. Up. Like, All it takes is a couple of Googles, and uh, I, th- I think people can really see these, these strange coincidences in the timeline where it seems like Mueller was just, you know, really getting his groove and, and solidifying everything, but, but not quite to a close, and all of a sudden it's done. And it's just like when I feel like someone, I don't know, like signs like an NDA or something, and like mm-hmm. everybody wants to know what, what happened, and it's like, Mueller can't say certain things. He literally cannot say certain things his job forbids him so we need to read between the lines and figure out you know who's responsible and also who has control who can who can fix this which is congress but not every american is reading between the lines yet so we just gotta gotta get there i know they said that weissman is supposedly writing a book and i apparently they 
the rumors are that he was much more aggressive uh, on the team, uh, and I would, I'm would i just really looking forward to reading that book. I want to know, I want an insider's perspective in this thing. Definitely. Yeah, that's going to be one of those books that's like not like the rest, you know, like definitely a new perspective, a very valuable perspective, and hopefully it changes the game a bit. Because when a couple of these other books came out, I don't know why the journalist didn't pick this up, but maybe it was just like secret information. But we learned a lot just from the books alone, mm-hmm. like the McKay book and the Comey book. But this, like you said, is, is a whole different perspective. So I'm really stoked to read it, too. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I just want to really ask you one more thing. Uh, and now turning to the last three days, which we alluded to at the beginning, uh, he's de- Trump has declared himself uh, God, the King of Israel. Um, you know, this is stuff... <laughs> Right, I know. I mean, it's like you you got to laugh. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm almost hysterical about it. Yeah. What uh, I mean, really, how much longer can this go on? Well, I feel like the the threshold for for bullshit in this country is actually pretty high because politically, you know, it, most weird things in politics in the context of politics is is going to be strange. But mm-hmm. but America as a whole, we've put up with a lot of crap, like with reality shows and just like you know, the world as it is. So I, I feel like Trump can actually push this as far as he wants before. I don't I don't think Congress, like Nadler and all them, I don't think they would actually, I mean, they, they might do the impeachment inquiry before the end of the year, but the mm. Senate, I don't think the Senate will budge, mm. you know, before the next election. So Trump can do whatever he wants if if, you know, he shouldn't be worried about any consequence. If I were him, I'd be like, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to try to accomplish before I maybe lose the election? So if I had to guess, he would, you know, speed things up and get even crazier. Yeah. I can't, I can't personally express my, I don't know what the word would be. Loathing might be a word with the leadership uh, in the Democratic Party for who literally is on vacation right now. And unless I missed it, mm-hmm. hasn't even issued a statement that the ranting, raving yeah. lunatic of this, of this, at the chief executive of this country is calling himself God. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm kind of bewildered too. I feel like maybe they're they're a bit jaded and they're just kind of at a point where they're like, look, we're just trying to take a breather. Like, we, we are with you, but yeah. if we don't take a break, we will fall apart. I don't blame them as humans, yeah. but the, the idea is that that's how far Trump has pushed us. These people are supposed to be fit for anything that comes their way, but Trump is n- like no nothing we ever expected. So these Unfortunately, mostly old people are like fainting <laughs> and like freaking out and like they're like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's crazy. It's scary. And I hope that they are well rested when they come back, because after that, there's really no excuse. You know, take your break. But when you come back, please address the fact that our president called himself the king of Jews. Simple. Yeah. It's a simple request. Right. It's not, you know, age, they say age brings experience, but um it also brings being comfortable and not wanting to rock the boat. And mm-hmm. I, as far as I'm concerned, we can't have enough people like AOC. E- even if I know she's she's new and they have a lot to learn, but th- yeah, the 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 people who failed us. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's just that there's something that happens when you've been in government for 50 years and you don't want to lose that seat anymore. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think sometimes even in their first term, they get a taste of that like 99% re-election rate. And they're like, ooh, you know, all I have to do is kind of coast by and not yeah. rock the boat and not keep my constituents. Like, it sucks. That's why people told me, not that I was probably ever qualified, but I used to want to be into politics, like become a politician. Sure. And I had people that were like, no, like, don't ever, 
if you want to keep your soul, <laughs> they were like, no. Yeah. And that doesn't make me think that every politician like has no soul, but I think it does really test your ability to not let it go to your head. Even the best of us, I think, get into that position and might be like, well, I guess it wouldn't hurt for me to look out for my own and, you know, just not do anything crazy, you know, and think you're not hurting people when you're supposed to be fighting for people, you know? So it just sucks. Complacency sucks. Hopefully people like AOC will convince others to not just, you know, get cozy. Hopefully she will not get cozy, but as far as I can see, she's not cozy at all, which is great. I mean, she said that she has more faith in the system now that she's actually there. She thinks that there's, you know, more opportunities for change than she initially thought, but hopefully she keeps pushing for that change. That absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to uh, tell the audience? Promote shows coming up. Anything on? Um. Well, yeah. More shirts on tour. We got some more tickets for San Francisco and Seattle and Boston. So you can go to moreshirt.com for that. And then also, yeah, the Racial Maddow show. That's that's my baby. You can uh, subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that. And then the Daily Beans is our daily news show. So check that out too. Love that title, by the way. The racial matter never fails to make me laugh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I love it too. I'm just really hoping that Rachel won't send me a cease and desist letter. I'm ready for it, but <laughs> hopefully it won't come. I will welcome it. I'll frame it, but I'll be sad. I think you're in good shape. I think that that's. It, uh, <laughs> I, I don't see that letter. I, I'm sure she'd probably love it. Actually. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I, she's my hero. So that's that's the plan is for her to just acknowledge me and accept my existence and. I'll be a happy camper, but maybe I should legally change my name to Rachel Maddow and then I won't have to worry about anything. That sounds good to me. Jul- <laughs> yes. Julissa, it's been so great having you here on Counterintelligence and I can't wait to do it again soon. Thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at Intel Pod. My personal account is Eric LeVay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Eric LeVay and this is Counterintelligence.